Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 369 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I am so glad to have Greg Atkinson back on the podcast and want to welcome all of you who are new to the show as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Promedia Fire. Book your free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth and by The Ascent Leader. If you're a new lead pastor who is leading a church after a recent senior leader transition, you can apply to attend a cohort with The Ascent Leader by going to The Ascent leader.org. Well, I'm so glad to be with you guys today. I don't know whether you can tell that there's a difference in my voice, but uh, I've never been kicked in the throat. But yesterday I was loading a really heavy stone into my car and uh, for whatever reason just moved wrong and like hit the roof of my car right under my Adam's apple. So uh, let me just say it's painful, man. And uh, I can tell my voice isn't quite what it normally is. But anyway, hopefully this gets better. I was Googling last night, like, uh, what do you do when you get kicked in the throat, even though I wasn't kicked in the throat? Anyway, hope that never happens to you. But, uh, you know, (laughs) whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Uh, So I'm so glad to have Greg Atkinson back. We are talking a lot about getting uh, online viewers of your church, or, you know, if you're in business of your website, to engage. And, uh, Greg's been on before, and we've talked about new guests and what happens when they arrive in person. But today we bring him back and we talk a lot about, well, how do you engage people online? What about the new reality? What does that look like? Greg is the founder of the Worship Impressions and First Impressions Conference. He's an author, leadership coach, consultant, and member of the Forbes Coaching Council. And he works with churches of all stages and sizes, including some of the largest churches in the country. So, Good to have Greg back on, and we talk about all things church growth and what's so different now that COVID's hit, and what are we going to do about a hybrid church moving forward? I've also got, uh, if my voice lasts that long, a What I'm Thinking About segment, and I want to talk to you about vanity metrics and why we should stop focusing on attendance. And listen, I'm somebody who really focuses on attendance, okay? So uh, we'll get there. Anyway, hey, uh, this is a very unique season that's offering one of the most challenging environments to lead in that, uh, well, most of us have ever lived through. And you may find that you're inheriting a prior leaders, staff, culture, elders, and much more. I know we have a lot of young leaders listening, and a lot of you are now taking over from Gen X and baby boomer leaders. So if you're that person and you're the lead pastor who's leading a church that was vacated by a senior leader transition, you need to check out the Ascent Leader Cohorts. In these cohorts, you'll get to learn from many of the best transition leaders in the church. You'll be connected with like-minded A-level peers, and you'll have access to a coach who's got an experience with dozens, even hundreds of church leadership transitions. I participated in these before. You should really check it out. You can apply today at theascentleader.org. And also, if you are facing any of these challenges, raise your hand, okay? Your digital team is like maxed out. Your social media team can't keep up with the need for content. Your creative team is a little bit overwhelmed and you're cautious about spending money because, you know, who knows about 2021? Well, you need to check out ProMedia Fire. You can hire an entire creative team of professionals for less than the cost of a staff hire. And the best part is 
the plans are month to month. So if you want help with professional graphics, videos, and content to make an impact while navigating this season of digital expansion, you can book a free strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth. That's promediafire.com forward slash church growth. Thanks to our partners. They bring you all of this, including transcript, show notes, the team that produces this so that you get it for free. And um, man, well, without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation with Greg Atkinson. Greg, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm honored. Well, it's a three-peat for you uh, because there's going to be one episode. I think this is over like three or four years, right? But we, it just got so good. We're like, well, we have to have you back. And then I don't think we quite finished. And then the world blew up. So now that the world is blown up, we're going to have a slightly different conversation. But um, it's a real specialty of yours to build into the guest experience. And obviously, we have a ton of church leaders listening. That's your expertise. But the same is true for business leaders as well, right? If you own a restaurant, if you own a store, those first impressions, those um you know, those, those opening moments. And uh, we will link in the show notes to those previous episodes so guests can go or listeners can go back and, and listen to it. But like, you know, the experience and the impression starts so much earlier than, hey, I just walked in the door, right? Right. Yeah, I, uh, I'm known kind of as the church secret shopper, but I also secret shop businesses. I secret shop banks, restaurants, hotels. Airlines. Why would you secret shop a bank? I got to ask. Uh, <laughs> other than to case they, it out. I mean, they, other they, than, you know, yeah, casing out the questions. joint. Why, why would you do that, Greg? I've, I've done it all. I've opened up accounts I don't need. I have extra bank accounts that I don't need just to have gone through the process. But um, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot of hotels that I will secret shop and, and go spend the night at and uh, restaurants where I've gone and ate and uh, evaluated everything, but uh, it's it's something used across all industries. Wow, what are okay? I, this isn't on the sheet uh, on the questions, but like, what are some of the similarities? What are some of the universals? Whether it's a bank, a restaurant, a hotel, or a church, that you're just like, yeah, you violate these, and uh, it's over. Well, I would call it bookending. Uh, they want to know that you are acknowledged and seen and spoken to when you walk in, and you are acknowledged and seen and spoken to when you walk out. If you walk in and nobody says, hi, welcome, glad you're here. Or, you know, if if you just stand waiting and waiting and waiting and there's no hostess to to say, hi, welcome, how, how many do you have in your party or whatever. In the same way, when you're walking out of the restaurant after you've already paid and you're walking past that hostess stand, they should say goodbye. Thanks. Thanks for dining with us. You know, just that. And it's same thing in, in, in church. I always say that greeters shouldn't just welcome you as you're walking up. They should be at the door saying, thanks for coming. See you next week. Have a great week. You know, there should be a bookending experience at the church uh, location as well. Hmm. No, that's good to know. And we did talk a lot about that, I think, in the first interview uh, about how much is too much, how much is not enough. Everybody right. wants to be greeted differently, if I remember correctly. Um, so before COVID and the crazy 2020 that we're all in, you had said long before that happened that your website is really your first uh, front door. It's the new front door. It's not the parking lot anymore. It's not the front door. That's not the first impression. Um, and suddenly it was the only door, right? For almost everybody, for restaurants, for businesses, for churches. How do you begin welcoming people online? How does that work? Because nobody's really going back, even as in-person experiences open up, we're all going to have better websites, better online presences. So how does that really begin? 
Yeah, um, I, I've I've said for years that that front door experience, that very first impression, starts online. So, in all of my secret shoppers over the last almost fifteen years, uh, I have uh, done an online presence evaluation where I evaluate their website, their social media, and uh, all of their accounts, and look at how they come across online before I ever step foot on campus. And so that's something I've always been passionate about. However, um, uh, studies show from uh, random polls to sophisticated things like glue and things that I look at in my own Facebook groups, even for those churches that have started back, only about 30% of the people come back. And so you still have 70% watching at home. So that online uh, experience is, is key, it's huge. And I think one of the simplest things, uh, I've said this before, it makes me think of the movie Avatar, where they said, I see you, I see you. Just And it goes back to that hostess acknowledging you when you walk in. When you tune into an online experience, there should be somebody that sees you and acknowledges you and thanks you for tuning in, thanks you, welcomes you from wherever you may be tuning in from. And so now we have this this. Uh, global audience, this global audience where you have people in your own city and people in other countries that are that are watching and tuning in. And so to have a host or hostess or an MC kind of welcome you and acknowledge you and encourage you to get involved in participating and in the chat and letting them know where you're from and, and that kind of interactive component, which we can talk about more in a little bit. But I think I would start with just acknowledging them. So can you tell me uh, from them or from others that you've watched, let's start with best practices. So how do you do that? What are, what are, let's, 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 uh, let's drill down on that a little bit. What, what are, what is the online host? Sometimes, you know, at a big church like Life Church or um, Elevation, obviously they have staff and this is like your job, right? But let's imagine even with like volunteers who are doing that or, someone who's a student pastor, but also is a Sunday morning host, or how do you, how do you do that? Well, what are the best practices? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that have said to me or in my Facebook group, what do we do with our greeters now that we're not meeting? You know, what do we do with our first impressions guest services team? I said, well, put them in the chat. Let's, let's make them hosts. Let's, let's invite them to, to interact with guests and to welcome people. And so um, I think I think having the opportunity to um, participate still, whether it be weekly or semi-weekly, um, as a volunteer is important. And so getting them involved in the online chat experience. A lot of churches, I think I heard Craig Rochelle say this past week that 27,000 churches were using the church online platform mm-hmm. uh, from Life Church, which is a free platform. Anybody can go download it and use it for free. They give away everything. And so, um, and so if you're thinking, you know, hey, we would love to take it up a notch, we would love to uh, incorporate chat and, and, uh, and a smoother online giving experience and prayer for people that are making decisions and online prayer and things like that. Check out Church Online. It's free. The Church Online platform, or CHOP, a lot of people call it. But 27,000 churches are using it, and they're just giving it away. It cost them a ton of money, but it cost us as the consumer nothing. And so you can you can have, like you said, a staff member, whether it be Chad at Elevation or um, 
Alan at, at Life Church or, or some of these others. But the other day, I was watching uh, Red Rocks Church in, in uh, Colorado, and they just had their young adults pastor. Uh, it was just kind of like rotating through different staff. Some weeks, uh, church will yeah, use yeah. Their, their youth pastor. And um, uh, I was watching J.D. Greer's church, the Summit Church in the Raleigh-Durham area. And J.D. Greer, you know, is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And they just made a big decision. But I was watching them online uh, about a month or two ago. And throughout the entire experience, they used, because they're a multi-site church, they used almost all of their campus pastors in some way throughout the morning experience. And so they would get a welcome from one campus pastor and announcements from another campus pastor and next steps from another campus pastor. And so one of the things that I like to see when you talk about best practices is a variety of faces on camera. So it's not the lead pastor the whole time that we see male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you know, that, that there's a lot of faces coming on the screen welcoming you because you don't know where people are tuning in from. So I like variety. Ah, so a variety of voices on camera. What about in the chat, whether that chat is YouTube, Facebook, or a streaming service that you're using? I mean, a lot of it, and I don't, I don't surf nearly as widely as you do, but you know, it's like, hey, hey, hey. And I'm the guy who hangs in the back. I'm the guy who like right. does not self-identify. That's sort of my personality. It also is kind of weird when you're the founding guy. Right. Uh, to like, hey, I'm at church today. Well, of course you're at church, but I, I just kind of lurk in the background. So I'm a reader more than a participator. Uh, tell me, tell me what some of the good practices are to draw people in in the chat, and then what are some definite do not do this moments. Uh, some good good practices are, you know, you can log in as your name, like Greg Atkinson or Carrie Newhoff, or you could log in as. Uh, you know, Grace Church host, you know, where where it's like it's got a, a church assigned name where it looks like, you know, then you have to really watch what you say because they associate you with staff and speaking on behalf of the church. And so right. um, so that that's one thing, whereas I could log in as Greg Atkinson and they not know that I'm associated with the church staff and they think it's just my voice or my opinion. And so I like a variety of that. I think that's a way to use greeters and ushers in this in this uh, time period where so many are meeting online that they can um, log in as themselves and and, and welcome okay. people. They may not have to be church staff, but um, the as far as a no-no, I would say, you know, let's not start talking about politics. Uh, a friend of mine, Haley, who's going to be speaking at our First Impressions Conference from Bayside, talks about don't feed the trolls. Um, yep. You know, so don't don't encourage people to argue. There's going to be people in, in, a, in a global experience. So whether you speak on behalf of the church as a online campus pastor or you're a greeter named Bob Smith who logs in and says, hey, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And you just kind of keep the energy up. Um, but don't feed the trolls. And so don't start, you know, there's sometimes and I've seen this for years. I mean, well over a decade I've been watching and tuning in. Uh, sometimes people have to be muted, blocked, kicked out. I was going to say, how do you how do you avoid the trolls because they show up everywhere you are online? You know, some of it is is based in repetition. If you are hogging all of the chat, you're just constantly you you just no no answer suffices you. Nothing nothing will shut you up. <laughs> it's like it's like you you have you have you have you have not stopped poking and poking and poking and poking. 
And we keep trying to say, yes, but now let's focus on worship. Yes, but now let's listen to the message. Yes, but we'll talk about that. And let me send you a link to this resource. If they just won't stop and you can tell that they're trying to disrupt and to uh, take attention away from God and what God is doing in the experience, then sometimes we have to block them and, and, and kick them out. And I've seen people handling that very well, very graciously, when I've just observed other churches from around the world that I wasn't a part of, just watching how they handle it. Um, how do you do that? Great. I, I appreciate the line, and I think you're right. Disruptive and repetitive. So if, if I'm like, you know, I, I studied a lot of Calvin in my day, so it's like, well, John Calvin would never agree with that. And you're like, well, you know, that's not such a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, but Calvin said in the Institutes of Christian Religion, Volume 1, Page 17, it's like, wait a minute, this guy's got his own agenda, right? Right. And uh, so you mute me or you block me. How do you do that? Like, what happens to the chat then? Do like, do you follow up individually with someone or you just kind of like block them? Or how do you, how would you recommend handling that? I think a lot of churches handle it differently. I don't know how many actually follow up with people or how many just block them and never talk to them again. But um, I've had to block a ton of people on my social media. And um, as, as you have probably seen, you know, when you're running ads for things on social media and on Facebook, there's a lot of people that just want to say negative stuff and start back. They have a fun time just taking you on, don't they? Yeah. 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 And so I, I have been posting ads for the First Impressions Conference. And uh, we have a marketing team that's been posting ads. And I'll watch people just start. They're, they're atheists that have an issue with Christianity or they have an issue with one of the speakers or they they want to just start spamming the account. And we have to just say ban user, ban user, ban user mm. and delete their stuff. But and you're like, uh, that's OK. Yeah, it's, it's just it's unfortunate. But in a chat experience, uh, I think I think there are some people that maybe um, they're the EGRs, extra grace required, and, and maybe somebody has a little bit more patience and is a little bit sweeter. And they say, Bob, could we go over here in this private chat and talk offline? And I'll answer any question you may have. And so there may be some people that and have that, that makes sense that. to have more than one host because it can get totally overwhelming, right? At that Absolutely. point. Uh, okay, that's a really good practice. Um, what if it's someone from your church? What if it's not, you know, <laughs> Troll789 from wherever? Right. What if it's Greg Atkinson or Kerry Newhoff? And you're like, wow, those guys are not having a good day. How would you handle that? Like, I think your offline thing is a good idea. What, are there any other suggestions? I would take them offline, definitely. If it was somebody who I knew was a part of our church, I would call them, text them, email them. I would message them on Facebook. I would say, "Hey, let's talk in private. Let's let's not get into this and and disrupt people from experiencing the the online experience. Let's let's talk offline. Or can I take you to coffee this week?" But no, I, I like that idea too because it is pastoral care, and I think your idea of having multiple people who are on and a great way to use your volunteers is I talk to a lot of church leaders who aren't able to meet yet or are significantly reduced, which is pretty much everybody. It's like, we don't even know what happened to all of our volunteers, but that's a way to keep your first impressions, guest services team engaged. Um, okay, so let me just try this out on you. I think I've written about this a little bit but on my blog, but um, I find that a lot of chat either is trivial or divisive. In other words, you know, it's like, hey, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite pizza toppings, right? Or, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Like, it's just kind of superficial chit chat 
which I'm not big into. And then, and then it can get divisive. Like I disagree. Well, I disagree with you. Well, I disagree with you. How do you, what is healthy dialogue online and how do you cultivate that in the chat? Because again, remember, you don't know if you got 30 people watching 300 or 30,000 people watching, you don't know who those people are. And for a lot of people, it's probably their first experience of your church or your organization. So how do you move toward meaningful dialogue? Yeah, you said something in passing that is key. You know, as a first impressions person who is passionate about that guest experience, I am I am uh, very aware that somebody is tuning in for the first time. You know, we always say every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Somebody is tuning in for the first time, and so they're going to take priority and precedence. They're they're gonna they're gonna be the ones that I think. Let's make sure that they hear what the message is today. Let's make sure that they can worship and that they can hear from God and they can experience what God is doing in the service and, and in the experience. And so um, I, I, I think we want to be driven by the mission of our church, by the vision of our church, that we want to stay with things uh, thematically. Uh, you know, today we're talking all about grace or we're talking all about um, unfailing love. Um, how have you experienced it? and keep it thematic? Uh, so it's not just what's the weather like or what are you eating for lunch or you like you said the trivial kind of uh, what's your favorite color? You know if it's if it's you know how have you experienced uh, amazing grace in your own life this week? You know how have you been shown grace? How have you been shown unfailing love? To keep tying it back to the message and to the mm. theme of the day what they're talking about. Um, we all, we all have, um, and my, my friend Jeff Reed, uh, talks about this digital experience, physical and digital. We are going forward from here on out. Even when we start back meeting in person, we are always physical and digital from here on out for the past Five months, we have leaned so heavily on the online church experience because we couldn't gather in person. But that has built an audience and that has built a following and that has uh, opened our eyes to how God can use technology and to use online platforms. And so going forward, we want to always be digital, physical and digital. And so when we are when we are meeting back in person, whether 30% come out or you get all the way up to 50%, we need to be aware that there are people watching online, even if there are people in the room. And in both cases, every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. So you said something interesting. It's the quality of the questions. And I think you're right. The quality of the questions determines the uh, quality of the answers or responses, or at least the interaction. Is there, I'm just asking this because I don't know. Is there a list or do you have a list or could we compose a list of like great questions to ask in the chat? Uh, do you know if one exists? I, know, I, I think that'd be brilliant. Well, that could create those. Uh, there's some friends of mine that are, uh, they're actually speaking at the First Impressions Conference, but they have some documents like that. And if they don't already, they would create that because that's their specialty. Well, if we find or create some by the time this airs, they'll be in the show notes. So yes, watch yes. for them there. Um, okay, one of the big conversations that's happened over the last few months, and again, you know, I'll just accentuate the fact that um, everything's changed and nothing has changed since the last time we talked. We talked about online being the front door. It was the front door. It has been for years to everything. It's just people ignored it. 
Um, but now one of the big buzz uh, things, and, and this will be true when we go back to, uh, you know, there's a, a vaccine and the masks aren't needed anymore and you can just pack them in like sardines. Still, your front door is going to be the online church. And the question is, well, how do we know what to even count? Do you have any thoughts? Let's start here. Do you have any thoughts on how to measure your online audience? Because that's, uh, I've talked to Kenny Jang about that and some others. It's a, uh, it's a fascinating conversation because the three-second view isn't quite what you think it is. Uh, how to measure it and then how to get viewers to become engagers. Love to pick your brain on that. There's a, a, a thing of, I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was you I read that talked about vanity metrics or, 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 yeah. or you know, metrics. I'm not the only one, but yeah, there's a lot yeah, of vanity metrics. That, it's all that, about our um, ego, right? You know, you hear, well, we had five times as much as we've ever had on a Sunday, or we had 10 times as many in attendance. And, you know, I don't know how much of that carries weight, but I do think there's a lot of legitimacy of it's more than it used to be in person. And so you're getting more, um, eyeballs listening to the, you know, I, I, I get frustrated when I hear people say, well, uh, people are trying to silence the church or we're being persecuted or they're, they're not letting us meet. And I am like, the gospel has never been proclaimed so largely, so broadly, so loudly as in the past five, six months of this COVID experience. We had, I remember, um, Hearing Craig Rochelle say that, um, I think it, and I, I forgive me if the numbers aren't exactly right, but I'm, I think it's pretty close. Uh, on a typical weekend, their church online experience would experience, would, would see about 5,000 salvations. The first week they had to go completely online, completely digital, and they couldn't meet in person. They had 15,000 salvations. Three mm. times as many. So that that's not vanity metrics. That's hey, there's more people tuning in. It's one of those nine eleven moments of everybody's like, oh my gosh, let's let's get back to God. Is the world ending? You know, let's 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 seek out our soul and our heart and find out what is going on in life. And so uh, it just seems like there's you know I, I'm I'm in the Carolinas and we just had a hurricane and an earthquake in the same week. And so people are taking out Revelation and they're reading it like never before. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're experiencing a lot of people saying, you know, are these the end times? Let's really read and think about it. And I have different thoughts about that. But, um, but there are more people tuning in definitely than have ever tuned in before. There's going to be some people that may tune in for seconds and tune back out. I get that. There, there's going to be people that log in and log out, but there's a lot of people that are staying the entire service and are actually getting plugged in for the first time. Would you, are there metrics you would pay attention to like more 10 or 10 second views or one minute views or, you know, X percentage through the message? Um, one of the things I've used is just benchmarking. It's like whatever metric you pick, you just see, are we growing? Are we losing momentum? Now, I know for a lot of churches, that's only months old. But, you know, when I look at the blog or podcast or even our online church, when you have year-over-year -year metrics and seasonal trends, you can then get a good sense of it. But I'm wondering um, whether there are particular metrics you would encourage people to pay more attention to uh, than others. Yeah, I like the one minute and up. And I think it's probably similar to like a, a running like a podcast like you do, you know, how you look at, 
how long did they how long did they listen in? Yeah, you can tell. Apple gives you that information. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, if somebody started the podcast and stopped and stopped it immediately, then I'm not going out bragging about that or too excited that um that somebody heard the intro whereas if somebody listened for 30 minutes then I'm like, "Well, okay, we've got a listener and somebody maybe took away something." And so, yeah, I think there's some benchmarks that you could try to set up metrics going forward and keep tracking from here on out and then pull out the Google spreadsheet a year from now and look at and compare how have we been growing. But this is just going to get more and more common, more and more um, ambiguous. It's just going to be everywhere where uh, physical, online, physical, mm-hmm. digital is everywhere we look. And so uh, when I spoke at the Church Online Summit, I said, when that great day comes and we're so excited to gather back in person and I miss hugging people and and fist bumping and high five and I miss singing in a congregation. I haven't been to church since March 7th and 8th in person, but uh, I miss all of that. But when that happens and that pastor stands up to speak and they say, man, it's so good to see all of you guys, then you have to say, and for all of you tuning in online, we are so glad you're joining us as well. Never forget that camera in the back going forward. There are always people watching people that may not feel ready to come yet, people that are checking you out, people that are curious, spiritually curious, people that are seeking, people that uh, are scared and they, they, they don't, you know, maybe there's not a vaccine yet or they are immune compromised. My, my, um, two of my three kids have compromised immune systems and so they can't be out around it. My mom has breast cancer just finished chemo and radiation. Her immune system is just torn apart. She can't be out around it. Is she any less committed? No, she's been a core member of her church for decades. Um, I saw somebody uh, recently in my Facebook group say something about, well, the core is there. And I said, no, I disagree. I think a lot of your core are watching at home. Don't say those 30% that showed up or the core and the 70% that are at home are any less faithful or any less committed just because they're not ready to come out in public yet. They're also not going to football games and they're not going to basketball games and they're not eating in restaurants. And so um, they're not any less committed. But going forward in this digital world, we want to always acknowledge the camera and always make eye contact from time to time. I listened to um, your podcast you did with JP where you were talking about uh, those YouTube tricks and then acknowledging the camera and always being aware of that online audience as you speak. And so that's just something that pastors, hopefully they'll start teaching it in seminary. This is something they're going, and that'll be something, but this is something they're going to have to acknowledge going forward. It's a whole new style of communication. It is a totally different style of communication. I appreciate it. By the way, if you're wondering, that's JP Pocluda that you're referring to, who's on now. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes. Anyway, uh, what about turning viewers into engagers? I mean, in the same way, we've been through this on previous episodes. When a first-time guest comes, you need to follow up, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, how do you do that? How do you turn a guy who's just watching or a woman who's just watching into somebody who starts to interact or take a step? Any thoughts on that, Greg? Yeah, a couple thoughts. One, I mentioned earlier, the avatar concept. I see you to acknowledge them. 
to, uh, you know, for years and years and years, well over a decade, um, I've known Leonard Sweet for a long time, and he used to write about epic, experiential, participatory, image-driven, connective, and he talked about epic preaching. And I, as a worship pastor back in the worship days, would talk about creating epic experiences. And so as we are looking at engaging people online and moving them from a viewer to an engager, how do we create something that is experiential, that is participatory, that is interactive and image-driven, that is connective, that has a community feel to it? Um, and a lot of it happens through the way pastors preach and communicate what the host says or does, and then pastors themselves. I have, ever since this happened in March, I have watched every single week, and I've watched tons of churches. I, I, I keep up with a lot of churches, because I'm, and I have a list of churches that I could tell people to check out. I keep up with churches because I want, I want to see, th this is pioneering times. This is new ground we're breaking, and it's such an exciting time in church history. But I watch Elevation Church every week, and I watch what Stephen Furtick is doing, and something that they do very well is they have a prompt screen in the back that he can see the chat happening in real time. And so when he asks a question, he sees the answer in front of him on a giant monitor in the back, and he talks back to them. And he says, tell me this, and say this, and where's this, and where are you from here? And type faith in the chat, and he just sees it flying and scrolling, and sometimes he'll say, slow it down, slow it down, because the 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 responses are coming in so quickly, but he's interacting with a real, he'll call out real names of people that he sees in the chat because they simply connected a prompt screen in the back of a monitor of, of what was happening in the chat. And so he is, and sometimes he'll pull out his phone and he'll look down at his phone and, and say, um, Bob in Topeka, Kansas, I see you and I'm praying for you. Cheryl in Kentucky, we're so glad you tuned in. And he is talking to real people in real time. And so they did not teach that when Stephen Furtick, because he's close to my age, when we were back in Bible college and seminary, we're both from South Carolina. They did not teach that back then. No, no, they it's, didn't it's teach something that. something that you have to adapt and, and evolve and, and learn. That's a great best practice. And that's going to work for people who have larger churches or hundreds or thousands who are engaging with a service. But what about, I mean, we've all seen these on our scrolls. You know, you got three people watching or uh, 30 people watching, but they're all being quiet. And, you know, the only people in there are your staff or volunteers. How, so definitely like engage the audience. I see you better questions, any other tips? Uh, and then maybe take us down to how do you get people to take a step when digital church is, um, you know, like that step could be take a membership class, take starting point, take alpha, um, get involved, uh, make a donation, like any anything about moving that person from just the person who watches to the person who engages. Any other thoughts in that area? One thing has changed since the... Uh the first time I was on your podcast, like you said, three or four years ago, it's been a journey, but I was going to Elevation at the time, being in the Charlotte area. Since then, I am helping out a uh, buddy of mine who is a church, inner city church planner. And so we have an inner city church plant of 50 to 60 people on a good day. And so I've got to see something be built from the ground up. 
and have some cool stories about that. But we are, um, when I'm watching online on a Sunday and I'm watching our service, I can see two or three viewers. So I'm, 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 I'm experiencing what you're talking about. Uh huh. There's two or three people watching Facebook live at the same time. Um, and, um, know exactly what that is like. My, my pastor of the, uh, small church plant, as much as I have tried to <clears throat> encourage him and influence him, he didn't fully grasp the, the power of online church because it was a small church plant of 50 people gathered in a room. And so, um, we had to stop meeting for a couple months and then they loosen everything in South Carolina, right over the border from Charlotte. They loosen everything much quicker than a lot of states. And so California and Texas and Georgia and South Carolina open up. They've also now become hotspots and our people are shutting back down, which is, you know, there's a lesson there. But they open back up. And um, I, I remember the, my pastor called me and said, uh, Greg, we're going to have church this week. I know you're not going to come, but I just wanted to let you know we're going to meet. I said, okay, I'll be watching online. Well, the first week I tuned in and watched Facebook Live. The second week I tuned in and watched Facebook Live. The third week I tuned in and there was nothing there. And I texted the worship pastor and I said, what's going on? He said, well, he decided not to do Facebook Live today and had forgotten. This is what I talked about at the Church Online Summit. Never forget your online audience. We're in that digital world from here on out. There are always people watching at home. And so there were only 12 people in the room. You know, when you do a church of 50 people and only 30% come back or 20%, there were 12 people in the room, but he decided to cut the camera off. And so I'm sitting at home, not able to experience my home church. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And then it gets worse. Um, uh, about a month ago, the pastor, his wife, his son, and his cousin all got COVID, and they had to shut down again. Oh, and no. his wife had to go to the ER twice and was very, very sick. And so um, I have tried to, to to talk to him. We have different views and different political beliefs, but I've tried to talk to him about, hey, stick with online for a season. There's no rush to get back. You're only talking to 12 people. They're not ready to come back yet. Let's stick online for a season. But uh, the poor guy had to go through COVID, uh, which breaks my heart. But um, but it, it really was like a slap in the face to me to turn on Facebook Live and nothing be there. Um, so there are a lot of churches, and we all know this, there, there are a ton of churches who have been online for years, and that's great. I've been talking about this since 2008. That's awesome. Then, as we have all heard and seen, there were a ton of churches that had to scramble when March came across and started signing up for streaming accounts and signing up for Facebook Live and signing up for Church Online platform. People were scrambling and saying, oh my gosh, what do we do? And they went online for the first time. My encouragement to you is never go back. Always have the both and. Always offer physical and digital from here on out. Don't go back to cutting those cameras off. Yeah, it's fascinating because you'll sometimes hear people say, oh, I'll be so excited when there's no more video calls. And I'm like, no, I, I don't think that day's coming. Like right, uh, maybe a day where 100% of your life isn't video calls, but, uh, you know, video calling is here to stay and the travel industry is going to be different and culture is already different and retail is going to be different and church is going to be different moving forward. Um, 
Yeah, and and I, I think you're right. You're naming it a lot, and not just you know that that um, pastor you named. And I feel bad for him and his family. But there's so many church leaders who are just struggling right now with change, and they don't like it. They want to get back to normal. They want to get back to what they know. So let's talk about in-person services. So again, please listen to the two previous episodes for some top tips on. Um, and you know what we'll do? We'll get those transcribed too. I'm a big transcript guy, so I don't think we were transcribing episodes back then, but we'll just get those done and they'll be there for team study and that kind of thing. But um, long story short, uh, I would love to get your idea. Most churches have some kind of restriction and that will not be forever, but it's for now. And it may be a long now. Could be months, a year, hopefully not longer, but you got to have physical distancing, perhaps masks, Um you know, all these restrictions that seem to change every month. Um, what are some practices, wisdom, tips that you would recommend? Or again, best case, worst case things, like don't do this, all right, uh, for churches that are worshiping with restrictions. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Yeah, um, I've done a lot of webinars in the last three months about yeah. this because people want to hear about what, how do we reopen? How do we reopen safely? And uh, uh, they see that a lot of this happens through a first impressions lens or first impressions eyes for somebody like me that focuses on the guest experience. And so um, I first want to say that we start biblically and theologically with let's love our neighbor. Let's show compassion. What can we do best to love our neighbor? Um, I saw a quote yesterday on Facebook Andy Stanley said, during times of uncertainty, lead with your humanity. And I thought, Mm. yes, that's it. That's it. How can I be the best human possible and love my neighbor during times of uncertainty? How can I, how can I be human, show my humanity and love my neighbor? And so I, I mentioned to you before we got started, I just came from the bank. I can't get in the bank unless I put on a mask. There's a mask at the door. There's a security guard there, and he won't let me in unless I wear a mask. I go to the grocery store. I have to wear a mask, and it's a simple sign on the door when you walk in that says mask required. Um, There are restaurants that have opened up here in in the Carolinas, and they came out with this Palmetto seal because South Carolina is the Palmetto state, and they have this Palmetto seal of restaurants that practice social distancing, wear masks, their servers wear masks, they require you to wear masks until you sit down at your table and then you can take it off to eat. And they uh, they do like QR codes for the menu or they do paper menus and they throw them away. They don't do the normal menu. And so they've, they've hit all these CDC guidelines. And for me personally, I love it. I say thank you. Thank you for looking out for me. Thank you for trying to keep me safe and healthy um, you know, a lot of people know I, I had my own health issue last year where I had to go to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. I was spending Thanksgiving at the Mayo Clinic, um, no fun, having test after test after test and surgery. And um, I can't get sick. I'm, I would be in a lot of trouble. My kids would be. My mom would be. And so when you say um, we're going to require our volunteers and staff to wear masks, I say thank you. Thank you. Thank mm. you. And so uh, most people see that as an act of kindness and love and generosity and compassion and hospitality. There are some people that are going to be the opposite and they're going to, you know, going to get upset. But I have said, as I've coached people, 
it comes back to just basic leadership. You know, for years I have written about leadership and talked about leadership. And I remember years ago telling uh, a pastor at the Moody Bible Pastors Conference in Chicago, I was speaking at, and I told him to do something hard. And he looked at me and said, man, that's going to be really hard. And I said, who told you leadership was easy? Leadership is not easy. And so when it comes to well, if we as a church require masks and say you have to wear a mask to come, what do we do if somebody comes and they don't want to wear a mask? Well, what would you do if somebody walked in and lit up a cigarette and started smoking in the auditorium? You would say, sir, you have to leave. You can't smoke here. What would you do if somebody was loud and disruptive and, and drunk and, and causing a scene in the auditorium? You would escort them out and say, sir, I'm sorry, you have to leave. It's, it's that simple. And so I have walked into several places over the last month that just had a sign up. Uh, I, I just saw one the other day in a window that said, no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. And I yeah. thought, well, they're just making it known. If you want to come in here, here are the rules. But um, so social distancing is a thing as well. Whether you have chairs or pews, you have to space those out. And every state is different. So some have a 25% capacity, some have no more than 50 people, some have no more than 25 people. I heard at one point Canada was like no more than 10 people. Uh, Five, Uh, actually. That's uh, one of the reasons I was watching from home so much. It's like, I'm not that important anymore. Five. 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 Yeah. So, uh, you know, no matter where you are in the country, a lot of people have really cracked down. They did it in the Northeast and New Jersey and Connecticut and New York. They were really struggling at first. And then they cracked down and turned everything around. And now they're doing a lot better in the South. For 13 million people, we're down to 30 new cases today, which is crazy. Right. You know, I am in the South. We just opened everything back up and now it's struggling. You know, my wife is a nurse. She tests people for COVID every single day. Um, what's different is when she first started testing people for COVID, most people would come back negative. Now most people come back positive. Um, it's definitely growing, definitely changing. I want to say that I, I have, I, I have a heart and I love people. I wouldn't be in guest services if I didn't love people. I'm a high eye on the disc profile. I'm a woo on the strength finder. I love people and I miss being around people. But because of health reasons, I'm going to be one of those people watching online. So please don't forget about those of us that are home. But if somebody is brave enough to come back out in person, guest services would tell us, we've talked about for years, and I talked about this on my first podcast with you, removing obstacles and barriers and anything in the way that would that would cause somebody to stumble and not experience the living God And so if people, I I talked about, you know, church nurseries and children's ministry needing to be clean, safe, and secure so that they're not worried in the service. Well, if they're worried, this greeter just forced me to shake his hand or this guy, uh, I had to open my own, the the door to the um, auditorium auditorium. and I can't find any hand sanitizer and I'm worried, should I, you know, I don't want to touch my face and if they're worried about germs throughout the service, they're not listening to the message. And so what can we do to show compassion and to love our neighbor? And uh, like Andy Stanley said, lead with your humanity. Hmm. Anything else on uh, the in-person experience while we are in this in-between stage of what was and what is to come? 
Yeah. Uh, well, I, w- I would say this goes with both experiences. Something that I have noticed uh, since March is pastoral care has never been so important. Yeah. Um, I have heard of churches after churches after churches that have had their staff divide up the database and go through and call people and check on them and just say, hey, I know we're not meeting. We just want to make sure you're okay. We just want to know you're okay. And so pastoral care has never been so important. And so when I hear of churches that are taking the database and going through and checking on people, because a lot of people are depressed. A lot of people may have lost their job. A lot of people are are struggling financially. Let's let's be as pastoral as possible and check on them and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, how how's your family? And uh, that's that's what ministry is. Ministry is people. Um, I forgot what we were talking about, but I had to. No, say that's that. all right. No, no, that's I okay. Want, I want us to never lose. Uh, I think I think what I'm so fired up about these days is it was never all about a one-hour experience once a week on a Sunday. It was never about that. And so if if a church feels like they can't be a church because of missing a one-hour service at a building, we were missing the point all along, you know, ministry mm-hmm. to people. And so how can we still connect with people and minister to people? And as you alluded to earlier, help them take their next steps get them into a new members class, get them into a starting point, get them, uh, talk to them about giving and serving and getting plugged in because that day will come when we will be back in person and we will gather together again. And there will be lots of opportunities for them to step up and serve. But um, starting to develop and build those relationships now in that, um, I, did a, I did a webinar with Jason Burns from Access Church in Florida and we were talking about, you know, there's that old saying, don't just work for your business, work on your business. And so we did a whole webinar talking about this is the time to work on your church. Mm-hmm. This is the time to work on your church. That signage that you've been needing to put up, that painting that you've been needing to do in the hallway, the time to redo the carpet. This is the time to work on your church where there's where the hallways are empty and nobody's there. Let's work hard now. Uh, we just repainted our entire auditorium in at record time because, well, it's only five years old, but like there's nobody in there. Right. Uh, a few rapid fires as we uh, wrap up. Um, in-person worship. Do you think when there's a vaccine, there's no more masks, you know, assuming we can move into that reality at some point in the future? Right. Do you think in-person attendance will ever return to what it was before? You think it'll be higher, lower, the same? What do you, what do you think? Uh, I think it'll be lower. Um, I, uh, I, I think, I think a couple things factor into that. And, um, the reason I, the reason I think that is because I don't think a lot of pastors, unfortunately, have learned the lesson that we're supposed to have learned during this COVID season. And the changes that they made short term as innovative and as creative as they were, they went right back to the old way. And um, just forgot everything that we did to evolve and adapt and to innovate and to create and to be um, like filmmakers and like JP was saying, YouTubers and to all this stuff that we've been doing to um, make services shorter and creative and doing different things with worship and music and 
and film and video and all the stuff that, that we have that we have done, we we just abandon and go back to the old way of the, the way it always was. And so for most churches, I think they're just gonna go right back to the way they always were. And for that reason, I think attendance will go down. For churches that have learned a lesson and have adapted and grown and evolved and come back as a 2.0 new new and improved version, I think they'll thrive. Um, and we have to change what we're counting because you can thrive in person and online and have a healthy online community. And so you may have uh, less seat, less people in the seats, but larger online, and you just start tracking both of those. It's just uncharted territory of how how do we assimilate these people into the body. However, if we are only counting those in the room, we're going to see it as a downer of, well, we used to have 500, now we have 400, but what about the 2,000 watching online? You know, how can we engage with them? How can we get them plugged in? Um, but no, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. We'll go down. I've heard a new a few church leaders say we don't even think we'll have room for everybody when they come back. I think there's definitely some consolidation going on too with local churches closed. Anything else you think will be different moving forward, Greg? I think where we um, couple thoughts: less emphasis on the one hour on Sunday, less emphasis on the building, uh, no more building centric, as I heard Larry Osborne mm. say. Um, Global, like I'm talking about, global and local, and realizing that we have a a, a digital experience, physical and digital. That's going to be different. More emphasis on home groups and house churches, uh, community outreach, um, digital environments. Do you, you know the old saying: If your church closed down, would your community even care? Yeah, we are living that right now. We are living that right now. The church is closed down. Does your community even care? So when I watch Elevation each week, they do this little segment every week called Here Comes Church, and they show what they're doing out in the community because the church is never closed. And so every Mm -hmm. week they go, here comes church, here comes church, here comes church. And they're showing them actively on the streets doing stuff and feeding people and clothing people and doing... um, cleanups and neighborhoods and they're showing you know that the church has never stopped and they're giving to partners and strategic and people like the YMCA that were watching uh children for for parents um when school was closed back in March and April and May they were watching doing child care so that parents could work and so they can went and bless the YMCA and they're just they're just showing you know here comes church we're being the church and so I think an emphasis on that also um, now more than ever first impressions guest services and hospitality matters and what I mean by that is parking teams have to still park mm-hmm. greeters still have to greet and ushers still have to seat people it's never been so important and so if I have gotten used to tuning in from my couch and my PJs and I get up and get dressed and get out the door and it's hard for me to find a parking place at your church, I'm going to go back to my couch. So first impressions has never been so important. If the greeters aren't friendly, I'm going to go back to my couch. If the ushers don't help me find a seat and I'm struggling to find somewhere to sit down 
in a crowded auditorium, I'm going to go back to my couch. And so guest services are going to be very, very, very important. I've been saying this for years. Parking teams have to park. Ushers have to seat people. You know, a lot of what's happening right now as churches are opening back up with the capacity issues is a lot of churches are doing registration and ticketing and and only opening so many seats. And so the ushers actually have to take you to your seats. And in some cases where you may have an auditorium of a thousand, but it can only hold 200 with the new laws and capacity and regulations. And so you have roped off seats and the ushers are going to have to walk you there. There are mm-hmm. positions that have never existed before, like cleaning up in between services. A lot of times back in the in the old days, we would clean the auditorium in the, the church building on Saturday, and we wouldn't think about it again until Sunday night or Monday after the services were over. Now you have to clean in between every experience, sanitize, disinfect. Not only that, you probably have to expand your time uh, frames of the services. If you had a nine and a, a 9.30 and 11, you probably need to do 9 and 11 or 9.30 and 11.30 to have enough time to clean up in between each experience, in between each service. And so with holding less people, you're going to have to do more services. With cleaning and sanitation and what Tim Cool calls cleaning protocols, Well, what you're going to have to do with cleaning protocols, you're going to have to have more time in between each services. So like I've seen some churches, you may have six experiences on a weekend. You may have five or six services on Sunday just to get everybody in safely. No, these are such good points. Well, Greg, as we wrap up, anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah, well, I, w- I want to I want to give a shout out to a couple people that I have been keeping my eye on, uh, just to say, way to go! We're cheering you on. You're knocking it out of the park. I don't know if you've seen what Crossroads Church in Cincinnati has been doing with Crossroads Anywhere, but Brian Tome, yeah, um, he's, he's speaking at our First Impressions conference this year. Tyler Sampson, I interviewed this past week for the conference. He's doing Church Anywhere. He's killing it. DJ Soto on VR Church. We mentioned Elevation. We mentioned Life Church and what they're doing. Church Home with Judah Smith. Hillsong East Coast with Carl Lentz. Summit Church and Grady, J.D. Greer You know, just announced that they're going to have 2,400 microsites, 2,400 home churches. They're not going to meet again together in one location until 2021. North Point Ministries and Andy Stanley not going to meet again until 2021. Crossroads and Brian Tome, not going to meet again until 2021. Uh, my friend, and I know you got to interview him, Myron Pierce, with what he's doing with Digi Churches and um, having all these digital-only campuses. And lastly, I'll just share, uh, you know, Myron is also speaking at uh, the First Impressions Conference, and you are as well, and we're so glad to have you back. You spoke at our very first one, and we're coming up on our fourth uh, First Impressions Conference in November, the first week of November as it's after the election here in the U.S. And so we wanted to get past that and be on the other side of it. But November 4 through 6, um, uh, happening all over the world. Uh, we have uh, 10 Canadian speakers. We have oh, three wow. speakers from Australia. Um, yeah, we did a great... And if people want that, where can they register? First Impressions? Yeah, Firstimpressionsconference.com. Uh, we did a graphic of just Canadian speakers to... To give to give them to promote, because uh, because we love our friends up north. But 
So we're going to be talking about and hearing from over 100 speakers uh, all online across three days, 100 plus speakers. And we have New York Times bestselling authors, Rick Warren, Bob Goff, Mark Batterson. Uh, we have Nona Jones back. I mentioned Carrie's back. And so we're so excited about this lineup. And they're all talking about navigating this new season. None of us are COVID experts. None of us have been through a pandemic before. We're making this up as we go. Uh, I had big on my notes right here in front of my uh, computer in case you ask something that stumped me. It's okay to say, I don't know. I have, <laughs> I have, I have that written right here in front of me because yeah. we had, we, we're blazing a new trail. We've never yeah. done this before. And so we're going to learn from a lot of practitioners and thinkers and people that are figuring this stuff out and leading well in these times. Well, Greg, thank you so much. We so appreciate that. And uh, thanks for helping us figure out which end is up in these uh, crazy times. Appreciate you. Well, there were a lot of practical tips and we covered a lot. So you can go to the show notes. You can find all of that at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 369. And uh, hey, I'm going to come back in just a minute with a what I'm thinking about segment talking about vanity metrics, attendance in, you know, online. How do you actually measure that stuff? But I want to tee up um, some fresh episodes for you. So who have we got coming up? Man, I'll tell you, this lineup is just killer. I'm so excited. So uh, Pat Gelsinger and Scott Beck are going to be on the show. Pat was the first CTO of Intel Computers. He is the CEO of VMware. Scott Beck from Blockbuster Video, Boston Markets, Einstein Brothers Bagel, and Glue. We're going to talk about tech in the church in the future. So excited for that. And on the next episode, I've got Brad Lominick. Brad uh, returns to the podcast to talk about, well, his new podcast and how he curates content. It's fascinating. It's never boring with Brad. So give it a listen. Are we, are we getting to the place where we trust that brand or we trust that, oh, yeah. that leader? Yeah. Are we, yeah. are we, you know, do we trust that person? And what you're talking about, you know, access um, behind the scenes, um, unedited, that, that's all, that's all, that's all signs and breadcrumbs of man, take us back to the trust factor Yeah, Be- because we're, we're so enamored or just, you know, enveloped in a world where we don't trust anything anymore. I mean, we're, we're fighting against all the things that are moving away from trust, you know? And so that, I think that's a big part of it is once we find something that feels trustworthy, man, we're going to lean in. Right. We, we, we will, we, we will like, we will follow that movement or that, that organization or that church. So that's next time on the podcast. Also got a couple of episodes with Andy Stanley scheduled, uh, Rich Velotis, John Gordon, Tom Rayner, Lisa Turkhurst, um, let's see, Beth Moore, uh, Bob Westfall, Kayla Steckline, Patrick Lencioni's coming back. It's crazy. So uh, subscribers, you get that all for free. Thank you for those of you who leave ratings and reviews. You really, I read every one of them. I'm so grateful. And if this episode has meant something to you, please share it. And now it's time for what I'm thinking about. And if my voice holds out, we're going to go there. Uh, this section brought to you by ProMedia Fire. You can book your free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth and by the Ascent Leader. If you're a new lead pastor who's leading a church after a recent senior leader transition, get into the Ascent Leader cohort by going to theascentleader.org. 
So now it's time for what I'm thinking about. And I'm thinking about how do you even measure online attendance and what is the use of vanity metrics? So let's be honest. I was having a conversation with a leader yesterday uh, about the return to church and why we all want to go back to church. And, you know, as you heard on this podcast, is it really, you know, all about just because we got so much money sunk into our buildings. And, and this leader said to me, he said, you know what, Carrie, I think it's about ego. We just like full rooms. And you know what? Busted. I get it. I love it when stuff is up and to the right. I love it when the podcast is setting records. I love it when people are reading my blog. I love it when people show up when I speak. And you know what? That's not a great way to, to build the future. And what happens when you have church online is that you can look at it and go, wow, we are up 100% or 50% or whatever. But how do you know that those numbers are actually real? So, um, you know, in the spring when COVID hit, churches are like, we're growing like crazy. And uh, sometimes when you dig underneath that um, growth, you, you can see that there were a whole bunch of three-second Facebook views or 10-second YouTube views underneath that. And what I would encourage you to do is really to drill down on your metrics. So you can go into Instagram, you can go into YouTube studio if you have that, and you can start to realize that, oh my goodness, only uh, people only watch the first 30 seconds of that video. Is that really a view? Because if people just kind of walk through your lobby on a Sunday morning and stuck their head in the auditorium, would you count that as attendance? Um, it's a great question. Some pastors would. I would not. You know what the golden rule is going to be moving forward when it comes to even figuring out how to measure online church attendance, I think it's going to be engagement. I think it's going to be things like minutes watched. I think it's going to be like average view time. I think it's going to be commenting, liking, sharing, opting in. And I would encourage you to build a dashboard for that. And the question, of course, is how do you get online viewers to become online engagers? Well, there's a few strategies. And by the way, if you haven't yet signed up, for the Online Church Engagement Summit that I am hosting with the uh, creators of YouVersion and Life Church's Church Online, Bobby Grunwald, with Facebook's Nona Jones and Fresh Life Church's Levi Lusco. You can do so absolutely for free today. It's happening October 8th. You can go to onlinechurchengagementsummit.com to register today. That's onlinechurchengagementsummit.com where you can register today. In that summit, we it's just 90 minutes, just four speakers, value-packed. We're going to share a brand new solution as well for how you can engage people. You can actually like meet the people by name who are watching your church online. But I want to give you a few strategies before we get there, okay? One is you've got to ask better questions. You just got to ask better questions in the chat. So uh, one of the bonuses we want to make available to you is a list of better questions that you can ask in the chat. So that will be at the Online Church Engagement Summit. Um, for average watch times, one thing you can do is try to make your content a little more engaging. Rather than doing a long like, hey, I'm so glad you're watching this video and blah, 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 blah. You know, 30 seconds on a video is a long time. So I would say start with your point, get people hooked and tell them what the promise of the video is. Like even, hey, in this video, I'm going to show you how to grow closer to God. In this video, I'm going to show you how to deepen your prayer life in less than three minutes a day or something like that. I mean, that sounds like a bit of a false promise, but you know what I'm saying? And people are like, there's some incentive to watch to the end. Um, and that's true even with short videos because you can make them shorter, 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 shorter. But I'll tell you, if I'm not hooked in the first 15 to 30 seconds, I'm not going to listen to even your two minute video. Um, 
Another thing you could do is just be a little more personal and a little less produced. Yes, have some good production. Absolutely have some good production, but let people see your heart because people really resonate with emotionally engaging content. And if they can tell that you're not trying to sell them something, you're just being honest and real, uh, I think that's gonna go a lot further. Now, we've got a lot of practical strategies to deepen online church engagement. I think that engagement is the new church attendance. And if you can get the people who are online to engage and you can meet them, uh, well, I think great things are ahead for your church and for your ministry. So if you haven't yet signed up at onlinechurchengagement.com, do that. Just go to onlinechurchengagement.com and um, we would love to welcome you and your team for free into that 90-minute summit on October 8th. There are two uh, live showtimes, one at 1.30, uh, one in the evening, so just pick your uh, favorite watch time and join us for the summit live online. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, protect your throat. It kind of hurts, uh, and I did not get kicked in the throat, but man, it feels like it. And uh, our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.